following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and I am joined by Savory David McGraw. Hey, yo. And there's no dabbing today. Mitch is, well, he got stuck in the airport like I did this holiday season. So we gave those travel tips last week for our non-sports plug, and me and Mitch both got burned at the airport, which is a bummer. But anyways, this week we'll be talking a little bit about, you know, DeAndre Ayton's pretty good, so we're going to just rub that in. After that, we'll do some game recaps and talk a little bit about the upcoming games. Follow us on Twitter, at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. DeAndre Ayton has been tearing it up lately. We're excited about it, and... I just kind of want to talk about the whole social media sports blog atmosphere that's somewhat ignoring Aiton and really giving some love to Doncic. So I can see where the Luka hype is coming from, and I'm, I'm not going to stop anyone from hyping up their guy. But the, the competition between Luka fans and Aiton fans is getting pretty intense right about now. Yeah, there's some there's some major salt thrown around every single time either one of them does anything. Like both ways, whether it be Luca fans talking smack about Aiton or uh, Aiton doing something good, and the first thing that Suns fans and Aiton fans do is start talking smack about how it's good, but he didn't do a like contested step back three. So is it really that good? So there's just there's so much salt getting thrown around everywhere, and. I think it's very easy to get caught up in that and not just stop and think about this great kind of battle. Two actual rookies, both playing very well. You know, this isn't like last year where it kind of got manufactured a little bit more, where Ben Simmons was for sure the best player, but people the main argument was is that he got, you know, a little bit of a leg up on Mitchell for because he was able to be an NBA like training regiments and all that kind of stuff. This isn't like that. This is a legitimate Two guys going at it, both looking great, both putting up great, great stats, and I I don't think we we see that as much because we're just everyone's a little too busy uh, jumping back and forth or you know uh, get buying twenty seven pound bags of salt (laughs) in the salt mines. But do you think? This has how much of this has to do with Aiton being a post player, a center? And then how much of it has to do with Luca handling the ball a lot more often and with the opportunity to make all these flashy type plays compared to the player Aiden is? I think I think both of those definitely play into it. So there was talk a lot about how bigs are very they're very dependent on, you know, someone that can get them the ball. It was very hard for Anthony Davis early 
earlier on when you know Drew was injured, Drew Holiday was injured. That is, or when he didn't have a guy like Rondo or any of that, it was really hard for him to, you know, always take over games. And he kind of had to learn about that a bit. He was very good his rookie year, but a lot of people almost forget that, you know, he didn't win rookie of the year. Uh, it was Dame, Dame Lillard, even though Anthony Davis is a superstar and uh, one of the, you know, best top five players in the league. And Dame, Dame is great. He is, a very very good player but he's not necessarily a superstar he's he's pretty close but he's not quite there um so i think that you know people forget that bigs it does take a it it does take someone else it does kind of take a second guy to be able to push them to that next sphere to start out it takes them a little bit more to get to that next sphere but then they because they have to have a learning curve of how to kind of demand the ball and be that guy and you have to be you know a top 10 player to even be that guy Joel Embiid before Jimmy Butler was that guy Anthony Davis is that guy Carl Anthony Towns is mostly that guy but then randomly his team will still freeze him out in the second half but Carl Anthony Towns can be that guy you know these offensive superstars that are bigs it, it takes a little bit and and it's it's tough but it's so much easier for a super or a very strong talent at wing to kind of jump into the mix and show what he's got earlier. You know, if you're a ball handler, it you don't have to worry about someone else setting you up or getting the ball in your hands. You have the ball in your hands no matter what. You just have it there. You you start out with it. It's so much easier for you to just run up ISO and do you know whether it be a pass or whether it's score or whatever. It's just so much easier. A big doesn't have that have that opportunity. I think it's that but then there's also I think that people have started to latch on to what a lot of sports writers have talked about which is you know these athletic wings and being so wing dependent in the draft or in the NBA that we haven't self-corrected to the fact that bigs are still super important in the league and so people are just kind of devalue bigs even though I think all Suns fans realize just how important a big is because even when, you know, we, we had the 48-win season or, you know, we had the kind of three-point guard attack and then brought in Brandon Knight and there was a lot of injuries, we still had not – we never had solid big play. And if we would have had – if we would have had a guy like Aiton, that team would have been a playoff team, even though – and they were almost a playoff team, but they would have been. Yeah, they absolutely would have been. That's That's for sure. So – what I've been thinking about lately is coming into the season, I think we all kind of assumed that Luca might have the heads up on the rookie of the year race just because of the experience that he had coming into the NBA and knowing that Aiton was joining his son's team and as a center, especially a center without the defensive prowess that we like to see. We all just knew that it would be a little bit tougher for Aiton to make his statement. So, knowing that that is the case right now, and everybody loves Luka, what would it take for Aiton to really step up and make this a true race? What would it take to get Aiton a little more even in the talks? One thing I've noticed a little bit lately, he's crashing the offensive boards, and he's dunking the ball a little bit more. I'm not saying that's important 
in any sense, but that will get him noticed a bit more. And with the numbers he's putting up, he's at 17 points and 11 rebounds per game. That's that's solid. But I think the hype needs to get behind him, and I don't know if maybe just some dunks are going to do it for him. What do you think it'll take to get him up there? I think the biggest thing, the easiest way to make make hype about a player is to give him an opportunity at the end of the game to prove that prove that he is a closer. And the biggest issue with the Suns right now is that they just they don't do that. They'll go away from him at the end of games because, you know, uh, Devin Booker and TJ are best players. So, we want the ball in their hands. It's tough when you have a guy like Aiton who can do something like score 24 and a quarter in the second quarter and then it seems like not that he's iced out at the end of the game but just that he should be getting more touches but you still want De- you don't you still want Devin hit, taking the shot you still want him taking the shot and that's the that's the hardest part with the rookie of the year races is normally you have to be the guy Aiton's Aiton is not the guy he is a guy that can that can be that but he's not the guy on his team right now He's not even the second guy on his team. Should he be getting more touches and should we feed him more? Yes, but he's going to need he's going to need to take a considerable jump or not considerable, I should say. I I think that TJ would need to take a step back and it would need to be the entire Suns fourth quarters would need to be the Devin and Aiton show and that's just not happening right now. Yeah, and it seems like when it's the Devin and Aiton show, that pick and roll's going, and it that seems to happen earlier on in the game. It does happen in the fourth once in a while, but we can almost abuse teams with that Booker Aiton pick and roll at some points of the game, but by the fourth quarter, it seems like the defense has it figured out by then, and I think that's taking away from it a little bit. And obviously, we're not really trying to find him in the post too often, He's had some success with his back to the basket. He had a really nice move. I think it was in the Nuggets game. If the pick and roll isn't working in the fourth, yeah, that's a, that's a big hole, and Aiton's not really getting his chances at that point. Yeah, it seems like when the, when the pick and roll isn't working, then it's really hard for Aiton to demand the ball because when the pick and roll isn't working, then Devin will kind of just go away from it and ISO more. And he is doing a lot better of facilitating and stuff, but it's a lot harder for him to get Aiton a better shot when he's ISOing because you're more likely going to get a guy cheating off the perimeter than cheating off of Aiton. Absolutely. And one thing we can be happy about, <clears throat> Aiton has been putting up more shots as of late. Uh, in the last five games, he's had games where he finally put up 20 shots for the first time in this Nuggets game. And then he also had 13 shots, 16, and 18 over the last five. So it seems like he's definitely getting more involved. And over this last stretch of games, it's obviously been very helpful to our team. Yeah, I think that as he gets more involved and he figures out how to to find shots 
and play in the flow of the offense and not force anything, but like, you know, whether it's cleaning up the offensive glass and getting scores that way, or just being, just using his smarts to be in the right place at the right time, I think that'll help him a lot. But if if him and him and Book, if they are able to go on a bit of a run starting out the new year, and especially once we start getting closer to All Star break, I think things will start to look up for them. They already are. I think people are starting to watch a lot more Aiden. It seems that if you go on Reddit on, you know, highlights of Aiden or any of that kind of stuff, people will start, you, you started to see people go, oh, wow, I didn't realize how quick he moved or how good he is on his feet or, you know, just things like that, that it's like, yeah, I'm glad you can see this because he does, his feet, his footwork is great. He is very quick for his size. He doesn't need to bruise people because he's very finesse and it's very, it's very aesthetically pleasing to me, but um it's not just like a brute force attack like it can seem like it is with most bigs and uh, you know that'll start to bring people in and just things like that or having you know plays where it's like oh hey here's like some good highlights or here's a good highlight play here or there and that'll that'll start to bring people in and bring them in on the hype because he is playing great and i think people are people have started to realize i i know that Suns fans online, they have a persecution complex right now of the Doncic versus Aiton thing. And they're really pushing to uh, get Aiton's name in there. But I think people are starting to be... They don't, they don't need to be reminded or talk to, told about Aiton because people are starting to realize, uh, realize that Aiton is very good. So to that point, how do you feel about the Suns' official social media page uh, memeing pretty hard about the NBA Twitter and just NBA media in general ignoring the Suns. They had a Instagram post calling out uh, having no highlights after the 24-point second quarter. They had the one with the, the road map and then the route obviously missing media talking about DeAndre Ayton. How do you feel about that? It, it's getting a little petty for my liking, and I'm a petty guy, but <laughs> but this might be a little much. It is getting a little petty. I think that similarly to most social media or uh, main social media accounts for things, is a little bit behind than if you're looking on things like Reddit or anything. Reddit, it, Reddit. Not to toot Reddit's own horn, but a lot of the discussion on there is slightly ahead of the curve, even though there is a lot of memeing. Uh, sure. It, it seems that where that started to slow down a bit and people have started to realize, hey, Aiden's good, the rest of, you know, the main accounts of teams or the NBA or even the Suns official accounts, they haven't necessarily caught up to the fact that, you know, people are starting to give more into Aiden. Obviously, Reddit has a lot more hardcore fans than, you know, the casual audiences that follow the main accounts, but they'll, it'll get around. It's a little bit behind, but normally they, they follow suit. Right on. So I think we'll we'll wrap the, the Aiton talk there. Obviously, we'll be talking about him more in these games we talk about, but let's start with the Orlando Magic game, and this one went into overtime and the Suns pulled out the win, 122 to 120. And let's hop right into that overtime period where only six points were scored in the five-minute overtime. 
four by the Suns and two by the Magic. And what really stood out there was Aiton's defense in the clutch in overtime. All the things we've been complaining about for so long, how Aiton doesn't have the motivation or drive to be a good defender, well, he changed the game and won the game for us in overtime here. Yeah, he definitely did. He was affecting shots. He was switching on to guys. It, it was really nice to see. And I think he was, he was definitely putting – he was starting to put things together. And while the Magic aren't necessarily, you know, they're not, not at all a top-tier team or anything, they do play hard, and they have been playing harder this season. Yes, they normally start out strong and then, you know, slump, slump a little bit more. But this very, they very easily, they were at home. They could have, uh, they they could have beat us because we weren't playing very well either. We, you're the at the end of our road trip, we got beat by the Nets. We had that triple overtime in Washington. Our guys are tired. They wanted to just get back to Phoenix. It, it very, they very, very easily could have won that game. But you know, Aiton was able to put a lot of the defensive things together that we have seen flashes of and he was able to do it for an extended period of time he wasn't getting lost he wasn't taking really time off a ton he was switching he was being active he was getting boards and it was great and it was so nice to see and while he's not going to be able to go and do that for an entire game immediately seeing him put it together for a five minute stretch in overtime is a really it's a very good it's it's a very it's a very good showing. It's a very good sign. Yeah, and against Vucevic, who is having a great year. He did that against him and you know, he played 34 minutes this game. That's not a ton, but for a rookie playing 34 minutes through the overtime period and clutch defense like that, we just love to see that. He had 3 blocks in this game and I think this is one where uh, some of the fans have noticed that maybe he isn't getting credit for some of his blocks. I don't need to go too deep into that. <laughs> but this I think this may have been one of those games. But three blocks, and this is a game where he didn't score a ton of buckets. He only had eight points. He was four for seven from the floor, so not too aggressive overall. But the 12 rebounds, three assists, three blocks, and that clutch defense, great game. Yeah, this is one of those games where you see that stat line from a center, and yes, you want him to have you know maybe 20 points with that, but it's his rookie year being able to put on a showing like that and affect the game in ways that aren't just scoring. We I feel like we mentioned that a lot on this pod, talk about rookies being able to affect the game without scoring because, you know, we've had so many bad rookie seasons from guys the last couple of years. Yeah, that uh, you you want to see stuff that's not just scoring or ways to do that because scoring can scoring can mask other issues with a game. And he rebounds. He he can go out and get rebounds. He was able to get some blocks. He was able to stay in front of a very good offensive offensive center in Vucevic. He he was able to do all those other things that real that really made it a great game. Yeah, and when you have guys that are scoring, you don't always have to put up big numbers. We had Booker go for 35, 7 boards, 8 assists. Warren had 24 points and 4 boards. But this game was really about the bench. When you look at the plus-minus, 
the entire starting five was in the negative, and the bench all positive. Uh, Jackson was the lowest with plus four, and then Okobo, Ubre, and Holmes were all plus double digits. And Ubre had 19 in this game. Really like having him here. Uh, the bench unit, I'm falling in love with it all of a sudden, which is very different from how I felt in the past about our bench. <laughs> so uh, I'm just so excited. I'm happy the guys are winning games and going into overtime on the road winning. Gotta love it. Yeah, for sure. And you, you talked about that bench unit, even just from a couple of weeks ago. Getting Rashawn Holmes in there, getting Ubre in there, getting some just energy guys, some good play from Josh. And, you know, we we're, we're start to look a little different and look a lot better. And it's it's really nice. It's nice being having Book and TJ or Book and Aiden get out of there. We're all three guys getting out of there and watching some guys that are still fun to watch and still and not just kind of um, trying to think of a nicer way to say that that wasn't swearing. But uh, <laughs> poop in the bed. Let's go with that. There we go. All right, let's move it on to the Thunder game. Uh, ended up losing this one by 16, but the story of this one was a great first three quarters. Really kept it close with them. Bunch of lead changes back and forth. We went into the fourth leading the game, and then we're outscored by 19, and the Thunder just blew us away there. Russell Westbrook, 40 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. He... He's tough for us to handle. I, I We tried throwing a bunch of different guys at him, but he was doing work. And 40 points, I just don't enjoy seeing that happen against our sons. Yeah, uh, Russell Westbrook is just a terror. And I think that, you know, he had, he had a slow start to this season. Uh, a lot of injuries, and Paul George has been playing great. But this Thunder team, is, they're, they're just a force, and... Steve, add Steven Adams into it and Schroeder, who is playing really well as as also, I should say. Th- this team is tough, and it was really nice to see us really hold with them for three quarters, but then they were just they just took it up to another level. When when they're on defensively, there's just not a whole lot you can do about it. And they're on defensively quite quite a bit. Um there, there was this stretch. I don't, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but Russell Westbrook had, was averaging over a six-game stretch five steals or something dumb like that. Uh, he's just he's been locked in, and I think that having a guy like Paul George what, has been able to, has let him be a little bit more aggressive on defense and play those passing lanes. He's not the best one-on-one defender, but when he does that, it's it's really. He, he gets locked in, and it's really hard to beat that team, especially when you're us. Yeah, they really play some great team defense, and it, it shows. Uh, Grant had three steals. Adams had three steals. Schroeder had two. Noel had four. He's picking Jamal Crawford's pocket 30 feet away from the hoop. I mean, those guys are built to play some defense, and even without George, they, they proved it in this one. But as for the Suns, Devin Booker leading the way once again with 25 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals. I was kind of hoping we'd see a triple-double from Book out of this one, but not quite. 
otherwise, the whole starting five was in double digits, except for Melton. Warren had 19. Bridges had 13. Aiton had 16 with nine boards and three steals. The terrible fourth quarter in this one was disappointing to watch. And then when we move into the Nuggets game after that, it seemed like all that carried over, and we, we were outscored by 20 in that first quarter, 36-16. to 16. That's not a good way to start a game in front of your home fans. No, it's it's really not. This This Denver team is really good, and, you know, we have been playing a lot better, but having that good of a stretch and then kind of having a, a stinker of a first quarter, I think it brought some people down to earth a little bit. It, it felt a little bit like the Suns of old, but or not even old, but, you know, of before this month, the sons of before this month. But they were able to to pick it up, and, you know, part of that was we were able to outscore them in every other quarter, the second quarter specifically because of DeAndre Ayton's just crazy second quarter. Yeah, really nice to see the guys fight back and, putting up 40 points in the fourth quarter trying to get back into a game that's that's impressive and it's just good to see the team end with something like that compared to just giving up gotta appreciate that and you know you talked about how it looked like it was going to be a stinker I was sitting in the airport after the day I was delayed so my second day at the airport and this game was on and I Try. I was trying to watch it and I just had terrible service and it finally loaded up on my phone and we were down 20 already and I said oh man maybe I should just let this one go and check out the box score when I get home so I, that was right around the end of the first quarter and then that's when Aiton goes and puts up 24 points in that second quarter and I've told the story before about how I was in an airport waiting to pick someone up while Booker scored 70 points in a game. So it, I just got to not be in airports while the Suns are playing, apparently, because I'm going to miss something good. <laughs> but, yeah, Aiton, that was amazing in that second quarter. I watched a highlight of it, and it seemed like there was just two pure minutes of Aiton scoring buckets in the second quarter in a numerous, in just different ways. He was tipping some in. He was put back dunking some in. He was just doing everything right at the rim, and it was beautiful. And I just wish we could see something like that. Maybe not a whole 24 points, but I want to see him dominate like that for a chunk of every quarter of every game. Yeah, it, it would be really nice. And I think it's I think it's becoming more likely that we might be able to see some some more stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's part of that effort thing. And, and him figuring out where to be in the right places at the right time. I think the the main highlight that was floating around everywhere was that put-back dunk where it seemed like he came out of nowhere and just, you know, got the rebound and flushed it in. And it was just, it was quick, it was clean, it was just nice. And I don't think that, I don't think that anyone expects that from a guy his size. And... When he starts to figure it out, and when he realizes that he can do that, you know he'll he'll catch he'll catch he'll catch some big guys sleeping, and it'll be very easy for him to go on little runs like that, and you know, 
get a lot of good stats and help keep this team, not help keep this team, but put this team on a good run. And that's just the kind of guy he is. Can he do it in other quarters? Yes. It's just going to be about seeing that he's doing that and making sure that, or him learning that he's not, he doesn't need to extend, expend all the energy at a time and, you know, try and do that throughout the entire game. But also us getting guys that can get him the ball when he is feeling it. Because when he gets that, we should be looking for him in the post. We should be running plays for him because you get a couple of, you get some, you know, putbacks, you get some tip-ins, you get stuff like that. You should be, that, that really amps you up and that can feed the rest of your game. And it, it can make everything else open up a lot. So I think that what he he's starting to figure it out. I think he will be able to have more quarters like that. The thing is just being able to get him the ball and run in place for him specifically once he's done that. Absolutely. And I feel like during that second quarter, there were a few times where while he was really hot, Melton missed him, uh, just missed him with great position in the lane. But a few of those ended up with Melton missing the layup and then Aiton tipping or putting it back in. So ended up working out in the end, but I'd really like to see Melton become a little bit more aware of feeding the beast when he's dominating like that. Yeah, but that's tough for Melton too. I mean, his he came in with a very a more raw offensive game. We knew he was going to be a little bit of a project and now he's thrust into the starting role. It's tough yep. and I want to see him be able to hit those, but you know, this is what you get when you have a second round rookie point guard starting for you in games now. Totally true. At least he brings it on defense every night, and we can rely on him for that, at least. Yeah, definitely. Uh, otherwise, the Suns, the, our big three of Booker, Warren, and Aiton combined for 82 points in this game. Uh, Booker had 27 with eight assists. Warren had 22, three boards, three assists, five steals. So a lot of our – we were really playing the – passing lanes pretty well in this game from what I got to see and that that always makes me happy when the team's playing solid defense running around uh disrupting things it's gonna make for good basketball and that's what the Suns need to do we're an athletic team all of a sudden believe it or not so we got to take advantage of that (laughs) yeah I think that that that's been one of our big turnarounds is that we're able to play the passing lane so much it does seem like this entire month has been a lot of that just playing those passing lanes, getting in there. We have Mikhail Bridges. We have DeAnthony Melton. These guys that are, you know, long arms, able to get in there. Aiton's really good at, you know, playing those lanes and and getting there and getting some steals. Booker's been a lot better and a lot more motivated since he's been healthy and back. TJ is able to feed off these other guys, you know. I think that it's it's starting to be where that's just how we're playing on, on defense now. And, of course, Hopefully we can keep it up for another month. Absolutely. And I guess we got to say that Jamal Murray did go off in this game. 46 points, 6 boards, 8 assists. He was 9 for 11 from 3. And if it weren't for him, or if he would have just missed a couple of those shots, that's a victory for the Suns. But shout out to Murray. That was a fantastic game. Yeah, not much you can do when you go 9 of 11 from 3. And... It, it, it felt like we were probably due for a guy to just go off from three. We've had a lot of 
not luck necessarily, but we've had a lot of guys breaking wide open threes, it seems like, in this in this stretch of where we've been playing a lot more competitive and Book has been back. You know, these guys that are really high volu- high percentage three point shooters just missing shots or just not able just even some of them are contested, but sometimes it's playing them and then them just missing the open shot. So I, I felt like it was a, it was about time for someone to kind of just go off from out of nowhere. Right on. Let's move on, talk about the upcoming games. The Suns continue their seven-game homestand. And today, the day the podcast comes out, we have the Warriors followed by the 76ers, the Clippers, and the Hornets. So... These are going to be some pretty interesting games for us. I think we've played we played the Clippers very well last time. I believe that went into overtime. Yes, without. I book. think that's going to be a fun one to watch, and we haven't matched up with the Hornets yet this year either. So, I gotta say though, I'm most looking forward to this rejuvenated DeAndre Ayton going up against Embiid, the the, the salty sulky Embiid. <laughs> who's not getting all the touches that he wants. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. This this Philly team is is playing pretty good. They're winning games with Jimmy Butler, but Embiid has been frustrated, and I don't blame him. I, that, that could be interesting. We could hang with them a bit offensively. I think our best shots are, or our best shot in general is this Hornets game. If... We are going to talk about a, a game that is our best chance of winning. The Clippers team is still really well coached. We did play them close and got them to OT. It will be interesting to see if kind of this rejuvenated Suns team, if we can knock them off. But the Hornets game, Kemba's been playing great, but they are, you know, they are kind of the most average team in the NBA right now. They just keep on being right around 500, so... It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully we can uh, knock them off. All right, now it's time to uh, hijack what is normally Mitch's favorite segment, and that is the non-sports plugs. And, you know, Mitch isn't here, and one of his favorite things besides Christmas and Devin Booker is New Year's resolutions. We decided that Mitch wasn't here to talk about his New Year's resolution, so me and Chuck were going to do our best to take a stab at what Mitch's New Year's resolution would be this year. And that's that's what we're going to do. Uh, get ready. So, uh, okay. Chuck, do you want to go first? Yeah, I have two. So I'll, I'll toss out one here, and we'll, we'll keep it Suns-related. And, you know, I saw Mitch last year when we were blessed with the presence of Alfred Payton here in <laughs> Phoenix. He got an Alfred Payton jersey. And I think that Mitch should really start collecting as many obscure Phoenix Suns jerseys as he possibly can. So I think uh, Mitch for New Year's resolution is to become more diligent in the hunt for obscure Suns jerseys. (laughs) So is he going to go look for some bargain bin ones at the team shop for Isaiah Kanan and Ariza? I think so. I think the Kanan might be the... Might be a solid uh, 2019 purchase for him, <laughs> yeah. because we we've had our fun with Paisaia here on the show for the last year or so now, and I think that might be the one that he should get. I think that mine is going to be 
for Mitch. Sons related. M- Mitch's New Year's resolution is to convince the gorilla to take him under his wing and become his senpai. Oh. I don't know how he's going to do it. Maybe if he catches a couple more shirts, you know, not like nonchalantly, the gorilla will start to, you know, kind of see what's up. Maybe he shows up to the arenas a little bit earlier and tries to get the gorilla's attention or someone's attention. But, you know, I, I think that Mitch would is looking for a very close bond with someone, and I think the gorilla is the one to do that, to fill that hole. Maybe we should make a notice me gorilla video <laughs> notice me maybe senpai gorilla yeah i think we need to make a video and then maybe advertise it maybe uh i don't know get the youtube page going again <laughs> uh, i don't know something like that okay so my other one for mitch new year's resolution is i'd like to see mitch cut his hair Two to three times this year. I don't think he's cut his hair in over a year. <laughs> it's getting real long, and I'd like to see him clean up his act a little bit. You know, he's about... He's going to be finishing up school soon, and if he wants to maybe look for a new job or, you know, maybe get a promotion, I think he needs to clean up his act. <laughs> see, mine is similar, and that's that I think Mitch's New Year's resolution is to embrace the hair oh even more which is kind of crazy because if you've seen mitch he is he has definitely embraced the hair but he hasn't embraced it enough on his face so i think the goal is to try and become you know part caveman and you know like those caveman geico commercials where like they had the long hair and like the beards would just get really long yeah you guys know what i'm talking about i think it's just to embrace that completely and for him to, you know, become one with his inner caveman. You know, he he has really embraced it because, you know, he had like the mop. He's got curly hair. He kind of just had the, I don't know. I think he was modeling himself after little Dicky for a while there. <laughs> kind of had that going on. But then... You know, it was kind of when Lil Dicky kind of lost some popularity, some notoriety. I think he kind of went away from that, and that's when he started growing it out. And what he did, I think he had to start using, like, one of the base female hair sets on Bitmoji. Because, you know, his <laughs> his Snapchat game's just fire. And I noticed that he's got one of the the longer hair now. So... He really has embraced it. You want him to keep going with it. I think he needs to clean it up. You know, it's... Maybe he can do half and half. You know, get a little mullet action going mullet. on. Mullet. That's what I think the yeah. real New Year's resolution is. Is to, to bring back the mullet. Bring back the mullet. Uh, maybe... Maybe a mustache. <laughs> a mustache. A thick handlebar mustache, mustache. and a mullet. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. We, we got to figure it out. We know how to make Mitch even better. Um, I might Photoshop something up, throw it on the Twitter. <laughs> might do something. 2019, the year where dreams can come true. I hope Mitch listens to this full episode and catches this. <laughs> and 
I hope he does. All right, well, with that silliness out of the way, we thank you guys for tuning in this week. Check us out on social media for a potential Photoshop picture of Mitch with a mullet and a mustache. At Sunny and PHX Pod. Same for Instagram. We appreciate you guys tuning in. See you next week and go Suns. Oh, yeah.